Good morning. So good to so good to see you. And uh, yeah, as Nikki said, I'm Andrew, and I I lead the team here at Trinity, and it's so good. Um, I know people coming in. There's a few people uh, who are you're back with us first time for 20 months or something like that. It's just just mad, isn't it? You're so so welcome. And I know there's a load of people online as well watching us from all around the place, so all around the country. I don't know if there's anyone you know not in the around the world, but anyway, if you are welcome as as well this morning. So it's good isn't it? Um, we're, yeah, talking about prayer, and uh, I, it is basic. I mean, I've been a follower of Jesus now since I was 13. I'm 58, so I can't do the maths. My brain has completely gone, but it's quite a few years, uh, you know, since that time when I was on a youth camp, and I said, for the first time, I actually said the words. I was brought up in a, told you this story before um, to many, but uh, you know, maybe if you're here today, it was the first time when I was 13 when, when I actually said words, and words have such power, don't they? Words, when we choose a word, there's a precision uh, about, about words that, that matters. And quite often, and maybe you're in this sort of kind of season a little bit at the moment, um, actually hearing yourself say something. Do you know that phrase? We, we use that terminology, don't we? Hearing myself say something. Uh, there'll be people who, who are watching or here uh, together who would know exactly the processes going on. But it is a significant human process that when we choose a word, Maybe some of us have been in those difficult conversations where we've had to say, well, the word I would use is, or someone else uses a word different to the one that we want to use. And we want to say, no, that's not my word. This is the word. I was 13 when I used the words to say, yes, Jesus, I want to follow you. And, and we've been thinking about, about prayer because, of course, the, the way that following uh, works itself out, the way that following uh, is made real in our lives, the way we grow in, in following is to use the gift that God has given to us, which is, which is prayer. And again, prayer involves us using words. I mean, there's lots of ways of praying. Don't, don't hear me wrongly. Lots of ways we pray. But, but at, at heart, really, there are words to use. We used some chosen words this morning in, in communion. Some of us love liturgy. Some of us hate liturgy. Um, on the very first Sunday I was ever here in this church, I used some liturgy. And the first email I got at 6.30 in the morning was, no, 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 no. So <laughs> right. I had coffee with him afterwards and we're all friends now. But um, see, the thing about liturgy is it's meant to, it doesn't always work like this, but that kind of formal liturgy is it's kind of meant to be something that you don't even need to necessarily read the words. That might not have been your experience. We actually, like every church, use an enormous amount of liturgy in our, in our celebrations, don't we? Come Holy Spirit, let's move into a time of worship. Here are the announcements. There are lots of kind of words that we use and we all know, we all know. So prayer is the thing, isn't it? Prayer, and that's why, we're, that's why we're looking at this book. That's why we chose it for our big read. We could have chosen all kinds of topics. Um, but as I say, you know, as a follower of Jesus who's been on the road for a while, I, I know that I've always got more to learn when it comes to prayer. There's, there's, it is dynamite, and it's fundamental and, um, you know, if you really have got it sorted completely, please chat to me afterwards and we'll, we'll write the book together and become millionaires. And wherever you are, however old you are, and we love in being an intergenerational church. We're trying to express that more and more by the way we organize our times together. 
wherever you are, whatever age you are, we're all, I hope, interested in what it means to talk to God and to hear God speaking. So how to pray is, is our focus over these next few weeks. There was a little ship in a terrible storm. It was, you know, really a, a danger of, of being close to sinking. And the captain came out and addressed everyone who was there, says, does anyone here know how to pray? A little minister, a little, you know, bit of plastic around his, around his throat, you know, in the corner goes, well, um, I, I, I think... I, I could pray. I know a little bit about praying. Storm. At which point, another minister steps forward and says, No, I will pray. Looks at the little minister. Your prayers are so weak, God will not hear them over the storm. I will pray. Captain says, Good. Everyone else, grab a life jacket. We're one short. So, as a church family, we, we believe in, uh, in, in having healthy habits, don't we? This is a context for this thinking about, about prayer. We've given you a, a bookmark today, but you may have also grabbed one of these, a thing about a rule of life and uh, healthy habits to keep God at the center of everything. It's this kind of thing that we believe as a church family that this should be a Trinity thing. This should be something we talk about easily. You know, do you know that every system is perfectly arranged to produce whatever fruit it produces, whatever it produces? So your current rule of life, your current habits, my current habits are perfectly organized to get out whatever is being got out. We all have a rule of life. The question is whether it's a healthy rule of life. Is it keeping God at the center of everything? So we have and on that slide, thanks Jonathan again, we've got these areas, prayer and scripture. For me, uh, walking the dog, I've shared before, is one of my most important spiritual disciplines. Rest, Sabbath. Do you, do you Sabbath? Do you stop? Do you rest? Do you find time? Nikki and, try, and I try and do that, and we have a gift and a luxury of this um, in terms of family arrangements from 6 p.m. on a Friday to 6 p.m. on a Sunday. Saturday, sorry. <laughs> Good, someone's awake. And um, doesn't mean, you know, for me, gardening and garden projects, mowing the lawn is one of my most important spiritual disciplines. I've shared that with you before. Some of you hate it. I love it. Because when I've done it, something's, I can see, oh, look, I've actually done something and there's a difference. And the grass rarely complains at me. I rarely get emails <laughs> from the grass. You missed a bit. <laughs> it's a really important discipline for me under, under that heading of rest. I love planning holidays. I love, you know, Nikki gets completely, but I love planning holidays. That's part of the rest and part of the enjoyment for me. It's actually a, a discipline. It's a healthy habit. It's something that connects me more to God. And, and hopefully, if I'm more connected to God, then, of course, I'll, I'll share it with others. I'm trying to, um, I'm trying to think about my work and service at the moment. What does it mean for me to, to grow greener personally, to, to, to make connection? That's a phrase we use at this church, to grow greener, to make connection with neighbors and, and others. 
And we're trying to do that in our Sundays. It's why we've got this pattern of community Sundays when we're focusing more on some of those dynamics of being a disciple of Jesus and some Sundays where we're focusing more on equipping. And so here we are. We're talking about prayer. What's your rule of life like when it comes to prayer? Pete Gregg's book, I'm going to make sure, you know, I'm not telling you everything about it. We want you to read it. But, but um, here's a little summary on this slide. If you haven't caught it yet, uh, you might not be able to read that. I apologize. Of the main headings in his, in his book talks about pausing, slowing and, and centering ourselves on God. Then rejoicing uh, is his next section, adoration and thanksgiving. We're on that today. Third section is about asking, prayer, uh, sorry, petition, intercession, unanswered prayer, massive topic. And then why for yielding. You can see it's P-R-A-Y. Yielding, contemplation and listening, confession and reconciliation, and spiritual warfare. That's the, that's the kind of headings in the, in the book. P-R-A-Y. Some of us do the Lectio 365 on our phones, on the app. It's part of Nikki and I, our rhythm of life to listen to Lectio 365, three, um, free app from 24-7 Prayer, Pete Greggs, the, the, the network that he leads, uses that pattern of P-R-A-Y. Last week, we were talking about, about keeping it simple. We were talking about the, the, the gift of being able to pray everywhere. But Hills and Nick, who were sharing with us, were just absolutely kind of, you know, is it happening? You need that place. We, we need a place for me if I don't walk the dog, if I don't mow the lawn, if I don't do the discipline with Nikki in the morning. If I'm not in that place, then prayer, this dynamite, doesn't, doesn't take off, does it? And a little summary of the slowing and centering bit. Again, I'm not going to say a lot about it today, but here's just a slide for those of you. You can read it this week, and there are notes that you can use as life groups and others, or join one of those groups that Nikki referred earlier. Pausing, be still and know that I am God. Um, a lovely phrase that Pete uses in the chapter on this, to start, sorry, Jonathan, thank you, to start, we must stop. So it's about laying down our prayer list. It's about becoming fully present, befriending silence. Do you like that phrase, befriending silence? Listening for the whisper of God. God so often speaks and comes, doesn't he, in a, in a quiet whisper voice. And then Pete uses quite a lot in the, in the chapter, you can read it for yourselves, please do, grab a book, um, about the word seller, which comes at the beginning of lots of the Psalms. And no one's absolutely sure exactly how to translate it. The best way to possibly think about it is pause and kind of weigh the moment. Closing down distractions, he talks about, switching off the house, he calls it, centering and that centering prayer can be passive or active. Thank you, Jonathan. So, again, for me, mowing the lawn, it's actually, I find that because I just don't focus on the mowing. By the way, you could see that if you came and looked at the lawn. Um, but it, the up and down rhythm of it, really, I don't have to think about it. And because I, that, that activity centers me actually on God. You might just want to even just take away some of those things from this morning. I often pray, Lord, give me silence and peace and patience. 
as quickly as possible. <laughs> what I wanted just to focus in on, though, I mean, there's real, there's real gold there, real gold there, but just to focus in on just this word adoration, which, again, Pete talks about in this section of the section of his material. So slowing and centering, and then talks about adoration. So the first words of the Lord's Prayer, which, again, we used in communion, our Father in heaven hallowed by your name. We'll just leave those up for a second. Pete talks very eloquently about the wonderful kind of precision and efficiency of, of Jesus' words as when the disciples say, teach us to pray. So our Father, intimacy, in heaven, hallowed be your name, awesome, awesome might, Intimacy, deep intimacy, and recognition of the awesome nature of God. There it is. Lord teaches to pray, and Jesus says these words. Your father is listening, but know that he is God. Thanks, Jonathan. Pete says it's so much more than a heavenly handshake. I really like that phrase. It's more than a high five. Hi, God. Pete says, in his, in his assessment, what do you think of this? The two biggest problems that people actually face in prayer, and I've been thinking about this, obviously, having thought about it a bit earlier in the week. His, his half of us, he says, lack a sense of intimacy. So our father... And maybe another half of us, or another, the other half. I did have to do maths O-level a couple of times. (laughs) The other half of us perhaps lack reverence. Now, please feel free to have any other options you want in the room. I just want you to be thinking. But might that be the case? Might you be sitting here today, some of us thinking, you know what, it is this intimacy thing with God. I'm just not sure he's listening. I'm, I'm not absolutely certain in a way that, you know, I, I don't feel that sense of intimacy. Or maybe some of us are thinking, well, actually, I think there is something here. I've got a bit almighty with the almighty in a slightly wrong kind of way. We can think about it, can't we, in terms of relationships, of course, with earthly parents. That can, you know, how is that? influenced how has earthly parenting influenced our sense of relationship with God it's more than a heavenly handshake it's an invitation into intimacy is something that God might want to say to you as we do this how to pray course as we read this book something about one or other of those halves the intimacy question Or the reverence question. We have to embrace uncertainty. We have to embrace mystery, don't we, with God. Now, I I don't apologize for now wanting to turn to to one of my absolute favorite go-to Bible stories. Just to pursue this question a little bit more. 
I, I wonder if you'd agree with me that we're in a wrestling time. I wonder if you'd agree, wrestling with all kinds of questions. We're wrestling with some of the stuff that's in the news. We're, we're wrestling at what it means, we, you know, masks, no masks, COVID. Is it over? Is it not over? I know there's people in this room, I can see one or two of you who know so much more than I do about, about that. There's a wrestle, though. There's a wrestling with ourselves about what did we get right and what did we get wrong over the last 20 months. There's a wrestling for us as as Christians, perhaps, you know, which certainly with church, you know, is this the right church? Would another church be better? You know, there's a wrestling that goes on. And there's a wrestling, I think, with God at the moment in many of us. I, I sense that. I don't want to project that onto you, but I certainly sense it in myself. And so I, I love, and we just put this picture up, I love the story of Jacob. It's Genesis 32, by the way. That was just a test for anyone afterwards. It's not 33. I've just realized it's 32. I love the story, though, of Jacob. This is a, a, a sculpture in the Tate, Sir Jacob Epstein, of the time in Genesis where we read about, about Jacob wrestling with a, a messenger, an angel from God. Just Sorry, Jonathan, just keep it up a, a moment longer. Thank you so much. Um, Epstein, some of you will know much better than I, but he, whenever he did his sculptures, you can see there's a sense, you can see of the block, he always kept a sense of the shape of the stone that he was working with. And there's a deliberate ambiguity in, in this sculpture. There's a kind of, it's almost like, like the, the, the messenger from God or God himself, and we'll come to that. Can you see, it's almost like squeezing Jacob too hard. Do you see that? You know, is he being held or is he being squeezed? I wonder if you feel a bit like that. Do you, do you have a sense of being held by God? Or do you, almost, do you feel squeezed as you pray? Or even if you think about praying, should I pray? Let's just read through the... The what happened in this, in this story, it's, as I say, Genesis 32. The words will just be up for on, on the screen for us. So just the, the quick background is Jacob, if you've read through Genesis, um, has been, uh, he's stolen a birthright. So he's going to become the patriarch, the father of, of, of Israel. But he's stolen the birthright from his brother Esau. He, he goes away. He flees, flees to live with his uncle uh, Laban. He finds a wife, Rachel, but it's quite a worldly set of stuff that's going on, really, the way that that happens. And here he is. He's, he's returning, but he's frightened because he's heard that Laban is coming towards him with 400, an army of 400. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons and crossed the ford of the Japog. After he'd sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he asked, answered. 
Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. Just as he crossed over Peniel, the sun rose on him, and he limped on his hip. I love this story because it's my story. I love this story because I wrestle with God. When it comes to prayer. I love this story because there are times where I feel held by God. And there are frankly times when I feel kind of squeezed by God. I love this story because Jacob had to come to the point where he decided not to trust in worldly wisdom and worldly ways. He sent his possessions on ahead of him. Did you notice just those small words? They're very significant. There are times where I have to decide that everything I might have, worldly ways, all my worldly possessions, are not going to give me the answers that I'm seeking. Jacob was seeking answers. He didn't know what to do about this wrench he had in his family with with, uh, Esau. And he was fearful. But he came to a point where he had to decide, you know what? I need to just distance myself. He goes to a a lonely place. He goes to a separate place. We were talking about that last week. And there he meets with God. And I I love the fact that there's an ambiguity in the story that um, is actually he, he, he wins because he loses. He, He wins because he loses ultimately. It's very clear that actually the way it's, the way it's framed that uh, the, the angel or it, it's God actually, of course, isn't it? That's what he says. It's God. It's, it's divine in, in human form. This is an anticipation, a foretaste pointing us to Jesus, the divine in human form. He, of course, could have beaten him, could have wrenched away. But God takes Jacob to his absolute limits And there, I think that that sculpture does it, the sort of kind of, here I am. There's there's nothing else that I'm going to put before you, God. There's nothing else that will do it. And did you notice that he gets blessed there? Little words in the Bible so often contain such significance. He was blessed there in the place of his struggle. In the place where he could, in a sense, offer nothing more. And God says to him, what's your name? And he says, my name is Jacob. He owns his identity. He's been struggling the whole time to know who he is. And he, it's kind of, there's a, a resignation, but it's not a negative. It's a kind of, yeah, this is who I am. I'm Andrew, who's meant to know about leading churches and is meant to know something about prayer. And 
here I am, God. I'm just actually Andrew. And I, I recognize who you are. And I'm going to fill my heart only with you. That's what adoration means. You can translate it veneration. But actually, really, I think I love this way of thinking about it, that to adore is to have your heart filled completely with the object of your adoration. My heart is filled with so many different things at the moment. I'm wrestling with all kind of stuff. Are you? The beginning of prayer is this intimacy of God the Father who embraces the one who is almighty God and saying, God, I've sent all my possessions away. Everything else that I might rely on, it's gone. It's just me and you and I adore you. Fill my heart. Let there not be room for any of the rubbish. Fill my heart. Charles Spurgeon, great writer, said that Jacob's real enemy was within. It was his self-reliance. It was his pride. He won, in the end, by losing by accepting his need for God. And he was blessed there. And he walked with a limp. You've probably spotted that. He walked with a limp. He had a reminder. He had a reminder always. Many of us walk with limps. Many of us carry all kinds of hurts, all kinds of challenge. Of course, they can weigh us down. They can be sources of disappointment. Or they can remind us of our need to rely on God. I love this quote from Eugene Peterson, which uh, Pete Gregg puts into the chapter. We'll just pop it on the screen for you now. Eugene Peterson says, Life's basic decision is rarely, if ever, whether to believe in God or not but it's whether to worship or compete with him. I'll leave that a second on the screen. Whether to worship or whether to compete with him. Thanks, Jonathan. Our current way of living is perfectly designed and arranged to whatever is currently coming out. How might God say to you? How might He say to you this morning? Are you going to carry on competing? Or are you going to just truly 
invite me to fill your heart. Pete asked this question, what wakes your soul at the end of the chapter on adoration? What wakes your soul to adore God? Please don't offer to come and do my mowing for me. It would be the worst possible thing you could do. We don't use doggy daycare. A, we can't afford it. And B, I really need to walk the dog regularly for the good of my soul. What's your story?